Yes, folks, it's Thursday, it's 5 p.m. Eastern, I'm Fred McMurray, I'm in on the West Coast, in the headquarters of West Vine and the Link Local Network, and this is Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising. I'm with my co-host, Ray Pillar, and Holly A. Ford. Ray and Holly, how you doing? Doing good. Hey, Fred. How are you? <laughs> So where are you both? Obviously, I'm I'm here. It's sunny. The whales are out. I'm recovering from uh, my guests of the last couple of days. Where are you two? I am rolling around in my uh, mobile studio, uh, my Integra coach, here at the Integra Homecoming in Goshen, Indiana, where the temperature is 73 degrees and cloudy with little sprinkles of water every few minutes. Land of Goshen. Looks like it's going to rain. <laughs> yeah, Goshen, Indiana. Uh, like I said, Land of Goshen. Holly, where are you? Ray's mobile, are you? Hi. Yep, I'm kind of mobile. I'm at the Fuel Collective. Um, it's a franchise owned by the St. Gregory Group, and I'm in the – it's a communal work space with lots of perks, exercise, and bar, and all kinds of good stuff. It's a great opportunity here. And I thought that it was 70 degrees, and I lied to you both. It's 79 degrees, sunny, no humidity, absolutely beautiful. We don't get many days like this, and uh, it is it is just gorgeous in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm not playing the clip yet. You're going to have to wait. We're not going to get it done that quick. You're so. jealous. Are you kidding me? You're jealous. You're like, I'm, mine's 73 degrees. <laughs> so I'm I'm recovering. I want to give a, a quick shout-out to two of my favorite franchisees, Kristen and Jim, who spent the last two days uh, with me out here as we went to beaches, bars, and wineries. Missed you and Ray. I mean, you guys could have been with us, too, and, then you know, having yeah. a good time, drinking yeah. wine, drinking beer. Ray, did you get an invite for that? I missed that. I did not, you know, and, and I'm I am hurt. I am really hurt. Like mm-hmm. you two need an invite. You, you never <laughs> need an invite. You just, what were my last Show words up. to you, Holly, when you slid into Los Angeles and said, Oh, I can't make it up there. And I said, if you told me, given me at least 24 hours advance, I could have at least, I would have braved the hordes of traffic to get down there. But no. Okay, well, Fred, I'm going to be in Chicago next week. Are you going to fly in? Uh, Yeah, you timed that so I wouldn't be there, didn't you? I was just there a week (laughs) and a half ago. Oh, oops, were you? Darn. I was with Ray. I will. End of June. Holly, are you some small little jazz dive bar? It'll be fun. Come on out. So you gonna stop seeing me? Uh huh. (laughs) You (laughs) what? What? Ray can come too. No, that's not what he asked. Do you want to come with us? (laughs) You didn't answer yet. What Ray What do I need to answer? Tell me. Fine. Ray? What? Ray, go ahead and ask. Uh, is she going okay. to do the show I, with I, you I said, next week? I, I, yeah, do you want to do the show together next week? Yeah, heck yeah. Let's do it. I'm All staying right. at some All hotel right. right across from the stadium. So let's do it. Well, stadium. No, you're which gonna, stadium? <laughs> which stadium? There's about a half a dozen there. I don't know. I'm a girl. What are you talking about? It's a, <laughs> it's a game. It's a great baseball game in Chicago and Philly. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're going to have to hop your butt on a me- I don't metro know what it is, and stadium. <laughs> take the metro out to Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, Ray, just take a limo out to me. That'll be more fun. Ah. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Quick shout out to uh, on the Link Local Network. They launched a new. We launched a new show yesterday, The Expressive Mom with Miriam Slosberg. It's broadcasting out of Toronto, so uh, the network grows, and we're talking with um, a 
couple of other folks tomorrow about a, a fourth weekly show. So um, network's growing again, and life is good. We're going to work. Yep. And uh, we still have to follow back up with uh, one of our guests, Allison, last week, because she said the magic S word. What's the magic S word? Remember, I don't know. What? I just know the M word. You just keep throwing things out at us, and we're trying to keep up here. Learning <laughs> to spell. M, and then we have the T word, right? The turkey word. Yeah, oh, we got that. Oh, the turkey word. Yes, the S word, the sponsor word. Yeah. Oh, sponsor. Oh, I thought it was sales. Okay. I know nothing about sales. Come on. <sighs> Yeah, we're so gonna we talk. On the radio, we talk about M words and S words. You know, I gotta tell you. Eventually, we'll hit the B word too, but that's okay. <laughs> so, Ray, <laughs> who we got on the show? Oh, How about well, the word? <laughs> today we'd like to welcome R.J. Grenshaw, and uh, R.J. is the CEO of Unify Equipment Financing. How you doing, R.J.? I'm doing well, Ray. How are you today? Great, great. We're having fun here on the show already. I can I can hear that. Looking forward to maybe making a road trip to Chicago next week. Oh, oh you're yeah. welcome, RJ. <laughs> so, RJ, well, where are you located at? I am located in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Um, Beautiful college community, uh, go blue, um, but uh, been here for six years and, and really enjoy Ann Arbor. Uh, Ann Arbor is also the hometown of Molly Maid, my franchise. So It is. Uh, yeah, I've been to Ann Arbor quite a few times already. It's a great little town. I really like it. It's so what's also, the weather out there? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Won't jump in on no, the weather conversation. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to get the weather question. Yeah, it's been a wet spring. Today's not that bad. It's probably 65, but it's a, a cloudy day. Um, we're, we we can't wait for spring to finally get here. Uh, every day we get a little bit closer, but uh, so 65, cloudy. At least it's not raining. Trees are starting to get leaves on them. Flowers are starting to bloom. So hopefully by Memorial Day we're we're in the clear and we can start enjoying some summer weather. Yeah, it's it's amazing the weather we've been having. It's uh, the week before Easter, it snowed. Uh, the week after Easter, it snowed. But Easter Day was a beautiful day in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> Same here in Ann Arbor. Easter Day was absolutely fantastic. It was a beautiful, gorgeous day. But uh, the week before, like you said, rain. The week after was god awful. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you don't like the weather in the area. Wait five minutes. And you still won't like it. It'll just be different. Yeah, I know. I live there a It'll long just time. Be different. This has been Pillars of the Weather. So, yes. Quick, quick quiz. What other past guests have come from Ann Arbor? Well, Molly Maid's located there, right? Yeah. Right. So, which two Molly Maid guests have come from Ann Arbor? Me- well, Meg. For one, and then our recent new president, although she's Who not is? from Ann Arbor. No, but she's in Arbor, Ann Arbor now, and yeah. I feel bad for her having to deal with the winters. Yeah, she's she not native. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. And so, um, our our favorite uh, CPA and accountant, Ron Silberstein, hails from Ann Arbor because he's always saying, oh. "Go blue." And Yay. then the person who brought us, RJ. Terp Rickett, Yay. the man with the famous first name. Shout out to Terp if you're looking. We're going to have a great show at your expense. So, first, my first question to RJ is what's your favorite Terp joke? My first favorite Terp joke. Boy, where do I begin? Terp, Terp's <laughs> favorite. <clears throat> terp, Terp, it's not a Terp joke. Terp is a old soul in a millennial body. 
And what I mean by that, Terp does not own a pair of jeans. Holy crap. Yes. Terp dresses like a 60-year-old man, uh, but a fashionable man. But he, he, and that's a product, his dad was a a clothes designer, or not clothes designer, but a a clothes designer. Shooter per se for businessmen in Cincinnati, Ohio, Holly, you know, by next to you. So Terp has a very fashionable taste, and he likes to wear wear, um, bright colors such as peach and purple, uh, a very preppy dresser. So uh, we've we've had to become used to seeing Terp in his style. He has a very bright red sport coat. And I, matter of fact, bought him some beautiful matching red loafers to go with that sport coat to, to complete the ensemble for turf crickets. All right, so we need a picture of him in the sport coat and the, uh, I almost said red heels, but the, the red shoes for the, um, we'll put it on his episode description. Yeah, we need a picture of that. There you go. All five, seven of them. <laughs> Holly, you get the next fun question. The next fun question. Well, I'm five nine. Does that count? Um, anyway, all right. So Amazon. hey, listen, RJ, I've been looking at your stuff and I'm having a good time with it. And you know, you said you didn't tell me there was any off uh, offline questions, so I'm actually going to dig a little bit deeper because I'm very fascinated uh, with your Michael Burt Enterprises. Your coach, a speaker, a trainer. Um, in in the person of interest philosophy, and I think it'll help our listeners a lot to kind of hear a little bit of the background about uh, your philosophy and who you are as a person and and all about that. So can you give us a little background on that? Sure. Um, Coach Michael Burt and I met probably uh, eight years ago, and what attracted me to Coach Burt was one of his philosophies around person of interest. And anyone that is in sales in a highly commoditized world that we all live in, you really have to differentiate yourself and become that person of interest which attracts other people to do business with you. And by going through his training, he sets together an eight-part process in order to do that, that if you follow that process, those eight steps, you will become a person of interest. And really, you have to pull from your past experiences to become that person of interest. Um, It can't be fabricated or or made up, it really has to come from your experiences that you can then parlay into relationships with people that you're doing business with. Coach Burt has taken, you know, Coach Burt's background is that he was actually a uh, very successful basketball coach, female basketball coach, but he realized that his heart was in a place to help more people across the country. So he's developed several different programs, and he's located in Tennessee. Um, And and primarily, I use that uh, for my organization here, as well as other organizations that we interact with. Uh, The book, we give away the book, um, and and we'll talk about with other sales organizations how to become that person of interest. Again, it's a very basic, simple, eight-step process that anyone can do as long as you're willing to put time and effort into it and stay to the process. But most important, you have to have those life experiences uh, to be able to become that person of interest. Okay. Well, you know I'm going to follow up with that one. So obviously you're one of a few select leaders nationally to be trained in this program. So what? tell us some of your story. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, my, my story, and, and I know we were picking on turf a little little bit ago, but, but that's and in, in itself, and we will again, uh, but that's an interesting story <laughs> just on its own on its own merit. So uh, I was looking to purchase a, a, a franchise. Um, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, and I've been an entrepreneur, and hence why we're, we look to help franchisees. Uh, and, and business owners across the country, but Turk was actually trying to sell me uh, a potential uh, brand, uh, and we went through all the phases, and we, we went down to Discovery Day, and ultimately, we did not buy the concept, but better yet, I ended up hiring Turk a couple months later because I told Turk that we could take his skill set and his passion for helping franchisees and, and go across several different brands on a national basis versus just trying to help entrepreneurs in one single brand. 
And um, what we do is, is basic financing. We don't do sophisticated financing. It's not a complicated process. So I told them we could teach them that. But from that life experience, it's now we take that and we put it into a person of interest for TERP where when we call on franchisors or franchisees, he has that experience of selling franchises and understands what that potential new franchise he is going through through the process of making this life-changing decision, as well as from a franchisor's perspective where he understands what it is to, to uh, help them grow their brand across the country. Um, so that's one story in terms of that, that we use, uh, which is a good example of person of interest. Oh, fascinating. Thank you. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So that, that you talked a little bit about your family being in uh, uh, franchises and and being an entrepreneur. So uh, I gathered a little bit from uh, your background that uh, around the age of 22, you had developed a, a million-dollar franchise. You want to tell us about that? Well, it wasn't a million-dollar franchise. I was very fortunate that my dad owned several different businesses, and um, one of the businesses that he wanted to always get into was a bar restaurant type business. And I was actually over at his house, and I and I was in his office, and I see an MLS listing for a uh, a bar uh, that was closed. And and I asked him, "Geez, Dad, what are you what are you thinking about doing?" He said, "Well," and at that time I was living in San Antonio, uh, Texas. He said, um, "You know, I would think about doing this, but." Uh, I wouldn't have time to be able to build this out and, and grow it. Um, but if you were interested, you know, in doing this, we could sit down and, and put together a business plan. So, at the age of at, at the age of 22, we took from a concept of what we wanted to do, and that was back in the late, or was actually in the um, early 90s. And country music was just becoming extremely popular with the country line dancing, and the bar business at that time was really in a transition period because of the DWI laws and things of that nature, you had to become a destination point for people to come there, which included food, included uh, events, included uh, different activities taking place at the bar. So my brother and I were partners. My dad was our bank. uh, And I learned really an MBA in terms of how to run a business. Uh, He made me go deal with the bank. I had to deal with the attorneys. I had to deal with uh, the legal aspects of setting up the corporation. I had to deal with contractors. Um, so it was really learning on the job, and he was my mentor, uh, learning how to fire my first person, unfortunately, learning how to – actually, let's start with hiring my, our first team and then, um, you know, working with, uh, you know, just all different facets of a business. And it, it was absolutely amazing experience to, to one, learn from my mentor – to work side by side with my brother. And ultimately, I ended up selling my portion of the business to my brother. And he uh, kept the business for 26 years and actually just sold it uh, a year ago. Um, and then ultimately moved out to, to, to warmer climate out in Las Vegas. So it was an incredible run. And for anyone to own an independent bar restaurant for that length of time, uh, we, we had to do a lot of, of, of correct things. Um, but again, it was just such an amazing experience to be able to learn from my dad um, and, and learn the business uh, on a daily basis. Um, I wouldn't want to be in that business today. Uh, it, it, it's it's a very difficult business. You have to be extremely disciplined in that business. Um, but but I I can uh, easily say that all my you know my learnings came from that, you know, seven years of, of, of growing that from zero to, to a million dollars in revenue. And we added things. We ended, ended up adding a campground to the facility. Uh, we, had a, we added a six-unit uh, motel room. So, again, we were trying to look for multiple revenue streams to leverage on the property to, to be able to, you know, to, to grow the business. I, I, I can certainly understand you not wanting uh, to stay in that business. My father was in that business, and I learned, a lot, of course, a lot from him, and that is one of the reasons I wanted to stay away from that business. <laughs> yeah, it is quite difficult, very difficult. Okay. So my question is kind of ancillary with respect to bars, since 
it appears I've hit quite a few the last couple of days with my franchise visitors. <laughs> Are my eyes really that dark? You got to check out the picture that RJ uh, took and, and tweeted um, at RJ Coach. Uh, sorry, RJG coach. Um, man, my eyes look like I've really been drinking heavily. And while I've been in enough bars lately to, to be drinking heavily, I was only drinking iced tea lemonade. Wow. So do my eyes you look that bad? You just have that dark side about you, Ray. Or Fred, sorry. You do too, Fred. <laughs> you just have that little dark feel, you know. It comes up to the eyes, eyes are the windows of the world. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the lighting. It's the lighting, see. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It's lighting. Hey, I've got a question fine. for you, RJ. Go you, for it. Uh, you 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 put on your LinkedIn you had a you know, story of course I, I uh read all of the pertinent information on there, but this kinda caught my eye. You said according to a US bank study, eighty two percent eighty two percent of business failures are due to to poor cash flow management or poor understanding of how cash flow contributes to the business okay we know cash flow is critical obviously that's what we use our multipliers on to value business we know that that is a direct correlation with the ROI etc but we also know there's accounts receivable and all the rest that happens so um, when when you look at the projects that you manage and and do you get a lot of people that are coming to you that really um, really don't understand cash flow business owners we do unfortunately and it, 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 boy, this could be a long answer. Um, Go for it. Well, it, yeah, well, we've, what we've really seen, we were just uh, out in uh, Las Vegas, uh, Terp and I, at the uh, Franchise uh, Growth Conference, and so many different franchisees or franchisors would come up and ask us um, uh in regards to just operating capital and how to utilize financing as a tool. And that's probably why we entered, why I made a decision as CEO for Unified Equipment Finance to go into this specific, and I don't want to call it a niche, but with a focus on franchisees and franchisors is because so many times the franchisors forget to offer financing or the easy out is always SBA, which SBA definitely fills a position to help potential franchisees. But it's not the end-all, be-all. If the government decides to shut down tomorrow, that means that, like we did a couple months ago, that whole process of people acquiring franchises stops or those loans stop. Um, Where we wanted to be an alternative to be able to provide financing for equipment needs for that franchise and or the franchisor that wants to do a re-imaging across the country. So first, just a franchisor that rolls out, for example, a, a re-image across the country, the missing ingredient that they forget about is the financing. They'll, they'll say, we want to implement this new POS system, or we want to implement this new signage, or we want to in- implement signage and a POS, and the project will be $75,000, and we've negotiated everything with the equipment vendors, but we forgot about the financing, or you go figure out how to do the financing. And business mm. owners, especially franchisees, don't have time to go and do that. So when we get involved with a franchisor up front and sit down and educate them that we can be, bring best practices to ensure a high adoption rate as well as give the franchisee a great experience in doing that with an all-digital platform because the most valuable asset they have is their time and make it easy right. for them. That's what's appealing. Um, now, we could talk more and more about the 82% of why they fail, but a lot of times in the way that we educate when we have the conversations with business owners is that they'll say, well, should I finance this piece of equipment or should I pay cash? We can't answer that for you, but it should be a combination of both. And we also tell right. franchisors we also tell franchisors that if you decide not to utilize unified services, have someone that you're utilizing for equipment financing. Have someone. Have someone. Um, and you probably should have more than one. But um, it just goes back to education. And, so again, so many franchisors forget about it. That's the biggest challenge we have is educating because they're so busy trying to grow their franchise or grow their system and grow royalties and compliance and things of that nature. It's, it's a forgotten tool and vehicle to help them spur the growth 
that they need across the country. Undercapitalization right. is one of the big problems uh, with, uh, well, actually any business, but uh, especially I would imagine with uh, franchises. With that being said, we need to pay some bills. So, Fred, can you take us to a commercial? I can, Ray, and I'd be happy to. want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Uh, as I said, on Wednesdays, they are now broadcasting at 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time, the Expressive Mom Show. You can dial in with questions at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or you can chat with us at the PillarsofFranchising.com website, www.PillarsofFranchising.com. And somehow we've uh, lost our other guest, uh, Barbara Shu of Home Care Assistance, so we won't have her on the show today, but we'll get her back at a better time. And now a word from the first sponsor. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business. But all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. Are you thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job, looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business, or just too young to retire, come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.FranExpoUSA.com. The Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules. And their website is FranExpoUSA.com. The next one coming up is this weekend. Uh, May 18th and 19th at the Cobb Galleria in Atlanta. And we're back. Ray, uh, Ray, you got the next question, or is Holly? Oh, I think Holly, it's Holly's turn. Is it? No? Is it my turn? <laughs> I'll take two in a row. I'm good with that. Well, we, were, we, were talking, we were talking about undercapitalization. So, you know, maybe uh, right. uh, RJ would like to, you know, uh, key in on that a little bit. Uh, I, I, I think that's one of the things that we have talked quite a bit about in the show, and uh, it's a, kind of a shame to see a franchise go down to simply because uh, the economy turned down a little bit and they don't have enough money. Uh, what do you have any comments uh, on that? And you know, how can that be avoided? I I, I do have uh, yes, um, it is unfortunate, but and and that's where. That, that's where a franchise one of the, one of the things that we educate as well the the franchisees that we work with we just had a call matter of fact this morning with a uh, a franchise and he wanted he was looking at buying some real estate and I asked him well who do you bank with in the local market and he and he worked and he was banking with a large bank a large institution which is they serve their purpose as well and my advice to this gentleman was. I would highly recommend you develop a relationship with a local community bank that understands your business and you can build a relationship with, and that should that person should be part of your team. So when you go buy that piece of real estate, you can start planning that today for two years down the road. That that's the value 
that we try and bring as well as educating the franchisee to, to, to build that relationship because they don't think about it. My dad taught me that. You need to develop a relationship with your local bank, your local banker. Have them understand you're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times, and if you educate them, they're going to stand by you during those bad times. The other key ingredient to this, though, Ray, is we see a lot of businesses that try and grow too fast, and they think by taking on more debt, it's going to solve the problems. And all they're doing is digging themselves a deeper and deeper hole. So we'll also have that conversation to ensure that this additional debt that you're looking to take on for the, for the equipment, have you done an ROI analysis? Some of the brands we work with actually go through the KPIs, and before they come to even to us for the financing, it's already been worked out. But a lot of, lot of concepts don't do that. And the last thing we want to do is set someone up for failure by giving them a loan or to finance a piece of equipment and they haven't thought through the process. They haven't looked at what the market can bear. They haven't looked at that they can go out and hire someone. Um, and that's really more in the service industries, uh, more so than the brick and mortar, the QSR space. Um, so again, we're, we, we try and be a full, uh, a full partner to the franchisee as well as the franchisor on, on both cases, either undercapitalization and or we, you don't want that cycle to, to get too fast in terms of your AR and your DSO, day, you know, days outstanding for your for your sales and things of that nature, and make sure that that the debt that you're taking on you can cover the debt service because as soon as that as soon as you become, you know, you don't have the liquid capital to be able to pay back, uh, you, you know, the loans that you've taken, it's a, it's unfortunately it's a it's a death spiral. Um, so that's why you want to have a good relationship with your community bank. You want to have a good relationship, you know, with a company like Unify or, or another finance company. And the last thing you want to do is do not go and take cash advances from merchant services or merchant-type companies. Oh. And we see that, unfortunately, so many times in, the, in desperation. And they don't understand that the fees and the rates that they're paying on those, and they think it's a saving grace. Um, and it's not. It's it's really setting them up for. It's it's the last chapter of the book typically, um, yep. and and it doesn't work out that well. So yep. well, you're not a. Up. Okay, I'm sorry. I was gonna say you're not a bank banker. At least you don't act like a banker. How are you different than a banker? How am I different from a banker? Because I look. This is back to Holly's first question. Person person of interest. I never worked – actually, I take that back. I worked one year in a bank, and I ah, ran a commercial gotcha. lending team when he I was at Equipment Finance. <laughs> and I was there for one year, and uh, the path immediately took me out. Now, the nice thing is that I was surrounded by great people, and I learned a lot, but bankers don't look at – you know, I should qualify this. Good bankers look at helping businesses from an entrepreneur perspective – Bankers just look at the return that they're going to earn on the relationship. So if you have a, a right. good person that understands business and, and, and can help you, that's the value. So that's how I differentiate myself, that I'm going to give more of a global, my, my global background of I understand what it is to have insurance and your insurance premiums. I understand what it is to, to you know, be hiring people and, and keep people on board and and, and, and those facets. I know what it is to be able to have to cover payroll and hope that you have a, a good weekend or, 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 you know, especially in the bar restaurant business where, especially in upstate New York, the weather could affect a good weekend because we've received 24 inches of snow and all of a sudden no one's out, you know, visiting your, your restaurant. So those are my experiences that make me different than a banker. I didn't work nine to five and you know, show up in in my you know three piece suit every day. And again, I'm not knocking bankers. All I'm saying is that we are different. Um, bankers serve a purpose, but you know we're, we are really we're really different. And if franchisees go to community bankers, they're different than the the bankers that work for the you know I, I won't name any, but the big banks that we're all aware of because they're just part of the system, part of the part of the you know. Uh, you know, a big bank, and, and if you're a small business, develop a relationship with that local community banker that can, you can take the lunch, you can educate your business, and, and meet with them twice a year, quarterly. Um, and don't be ashamed of your financials. Don't be ashamed, you know, in terms of your cash flow, because uh, they can bring fresh ideas to help you or, or, or ask the right questions in terms of margins and things of that nature. That's what we do. 
we talk about margins. We talk about, you know, your sales cycle, um, you know. So that's how we're different. That's how I'm personally different, and, and I try and instill that culture within our organization of how we're different. And, and that's how Terp's different. You know, when he's working with a franchise, he's looking at – he's not a banker. He's not a – He's a franchisee, you know, he's worked for a franchisor, and he understands a franchisee making that decision. Okay, so well, one comment, the, and, 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 that, and I, I think maybe Holly would like to ask a question, and that is, it is uh, when you're in business uh, or an entrepreneur, you need to have financing available to you because opportunities will knock. And if you don't have that available to you, uh, uh, in, in some form uh, of where you've uh, become friends with a, a finance person or something like that, then you can't, uh, you know, take uh, take those opportunities as they as they come to you. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Holly. Oh, no, no worries. Great. This is a fantastic discussion, and I'd like to kind of piggyback on that. You know, obviously, very firm. You know, we do a lot of uh, franchise resales and resales of businesses. And I can tell you that we get a lot of businesses that come through that have the exact problem that you're talking about. I would say that 50% of the people that come to us with for help in selling their business, the, the, the reason they're leaving is because they have cash flow issues and they don't know where to go from there. We don't take all of those businesses. We do take strong franchise brands that have strong fund scores and we call them the diamond in the rough businesses, as you know, and, the um, they, they they generally can sell because obviously this poor person has done an enormous amount in training their employees, preparing their business, uh, getting everything up and running operationally, the expensive build out and all of the work that comes with that, and then they end up you know going under just because of poor poor cash flow. You know, working capital is a key critical component. And I believe franchisors, not all of them, but many of them underscore the importance and value of the length of time that that working capital needs to be secured. Um, All of that to say, I completely uh, respect what you're doing out there. And I think our listeners want to know a little more specific. They may have read the blog. They may not have. um, But tell us exactly what you do for franchise owners and and how you really – um, assist them in, in bringing their businesses to profitability? So specifically what we do at our core is we finance equipment for any franchise that needs it within their organization. So it could be an additional van for a, a service-type organization. It could be a new pizza oven for a QSR. It could be um, a, a new, you know, new signage uh, for that uh, franchisee. Um, but that's specifically what we do for the franchisee. What we do for the franchisor, again, is if they're looking to grow and expand, we're the source of capital in order for them to do that without utilizing SBA. Um, and, and we're specifically focused on equipment. Now, we are okay. starting to talk about an operating capital product at a high level because it is a different animal, and we want to ensure that if we offer it, we're going to do it right for the franchisee. Um, and, we, and we think there's opportunity there, as we've all discussed. Um, but at the, like I said, Holly, what we do on a daily basis is finance equipment. And, and we've been doing it since Great. 1978. Um, so there's stability. There's, there's, uh, you, you, you couldn't do it that long if you weren't successful in terms of taking care of the customer. Our motto is obsessed mm-hmm. with your success. And that's what we focus on. And sometimes, again, that obsessed with your success could be saying, no, you might want to wait before you purchase that piece of equipment. Now, if they want to go buy it, that's their decision. Right. We, we just try and educate them on why we, why we, might, we might tell them to wait. Um, and, again, it's from our past experiences. And, RJ, why would they go to you versus a commercial lender? Well, speed, speed is, is the number one reason. Um, they go to their commercial lender, it could take two or three weeks. They're not going to understand the franchise space. They're not going to understand their business. We utilize credit scoring. So in essence, we could take a, a quote of the, from the equipment and have everything wrapped up within one day. Uh, we do everything online. Wow. It's a digital journey for the customers. So in essence, they can, take, they can fill out a credit application right on their, right, on their phone. 
Um, they can complete their finance documents on their phone, and then we actually invoice them all di digitally um, on a monthly basis. So it's speed, and the most valuable asset they have is their time. So that's how we're different. Wow, wow that's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing for that. So now, another Terp story. Give us a Terp story. <laughs> Yay. Another Terp story. Oh, boy. Um, well, so a bit about Terp. 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 Terp is the one that, uh, from what I remember seeing on the website, is help you use them to form the your franchising vertical back in 2017, correct? Correct. We, we were doing franchise business before. But it wasn't a discipline focused. Um, and what I wanted to do is bring to the space uh, a focus that with, with his expertise to be able to, to really help, again, franchisors and franchisees across the country. So now Terp's a, a right-hand man or left-hand or well-dressed man in red. We'll call him that, the well-dressed man in red. What's your – give us a favorite rhymes Terp story. With turkey. Turkey, turkey. Oh, yeah. Please, RJ. Um, all right, folks. Oh, she needs it. We have to give her the turkey. Just a second. We're gonna <laughs> give her the turkey. Here it goes. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> now back to oh, RJ. <laughs> A good Terp story. The first time that we attended the multi-unit franchise show, Terp, it was one of Terp's first, it's actually probably his first trip for us. And Terp, our, our assistant, packed up everything for us, and, and we, we uh, exhibited at the show. We were actually in their money room, one of uh, seven providers in the room. Well, Terp forgot to bring the FedEx slip for the box to ship the return items back to our office after the conclusion of the show. So Terp ended up walking through the casino with this great big box on his shoulder of all the swag that we didn't give away because Terp was a rookie and didn't realize to bring the FedEx slip to be able to leave the box was shipping. So the box would be shipped directly from the exhibit hall. So I have many pictures of Terp standing in line, getting his cab with his box on his shoulder, walking through the casino with his box on his shoulder. <laughs> Turp grew fond of the box. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Right. That needs to go, go on his it. profile. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, so, you should you should check out Turp. But back to old soul. Turp doesn't have a Facebook. Turp Turp. We finally got Turp to do LinkedIn and understands the value of LinkedIn and networking. Turp's not on Instagram. Turp is he is an old old soul. Well, he had to be on LinkedIn, otherwise I never would have found him. You know, Fred's an old soul, too. So. No, Fred's yeah. just old. Well, I didn't. I wasn't going to be rude. I mean, gosh. I, I already said that, man. Following Kristen <laughs> and Jim around for two days, taking them to beaches, bars, and wineries. Man, I'm old. I ain't even drink. So sad. Go ahead, Ray. Is it time, Fred? Is it time to yeah, pay well, the electric bill? The lights are blinking uh, again. Yeah, we probably should, my friend. I was just enjoying it. So here we go. A uh, <laughs> reminder that you can dial in with questions at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And we want to thank the Link Local Network. You can check out their new community voices at linklocalnetwork.com. That's L-I-N-K-E-D, Local Network. Com. And now a word from a sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. 
If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And we be back. So, Ray, take it away. Uh, absolutely. I think we talked a little bit about being an entrepreneur. and I was wondering, Turk, what are some, uh, maybe five skill sets that no, uh, a good entrepreneur should have? No, RJ, not Turk. I'm sorry. RJ, not- I mean, you know what? I'm getting it mixed up. You know, <laughs> we've talked so much. How about old is her- your soul, RJ? Come on now, <laughs> you tell. Turp, <laughs> Turp, Turp is going to become famous off of this podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> so your question again, goal. Ray? I'm sorry. Yeah, the the question is, uh, what skills should an entrepreneur have? You know, there's there's many different skills, but, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll say more around characteristics. I mean, I, I firmly believe that an entrepreneur should be passion, should have passion, uh, should be a life learner. Um, and with that being, you know, they have to be willing to fail and learn from those experiences. Um, I, I, I like to see, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, have a high compete level. And what I mean by that is the desire to be successful. And then most importantly, you know, just be extremely uh, resourcefulness uh, because you're going to be asked to do a lot of things uh, with a limited budget and you have to be creative. Um, so being resourcefulness uh, on a daily basis to, to you know, uh, grow your business. But passion is the number one thing. If, if you don't wake up excited, and Holly mentioned earlier, you know, resales and you know, I would guarantee that most likely when people are calling Holly to sell their franchise, they've lost their passion. They've become a hostage to the business. And it wasn't what they envisioned when they first started, uh, but somewhere during the journey, they just lost that passion in, in terms of being in business on their own or, or that wasn't the, the, their uh, business uh, for them. But also just being willing to fail. We tell our team every day, you know, you, you have to, you know, get out over your skis and be willing to, to fail, but more importantly, what are you going to learn from your experiences? Um, you know, those are the five characteristics. I mean, it's difficult to say skill set, um, at least from my perspective, my own opinion. Um, the skill set has to be the basic thing, but so those five characteristics you really have to have. Absolutely. Holly. So our j- uh-huh. Adam is reading your mind. I love it. So, RJ, tell us a little bit, um, you know, about about your your situation where you've had maybe difficult uh, um, difficulties in your past as you were growing your business. Maybe helping a lot of the new entrepreneurs out there that are that are either starting a franchise, franchisors, and of course all of all of the people just in business for themselves, the entrepreneurs watching the show. Why don't you give us, you know, maybe just a quick jaunt down memory lane of maybe um, an obstacle that was enormous that you have overcome? Yeah, boy. Um, (laughs) There's so many. Which one do I want to (laughs) pick? Your favorite. Just pick your favorite. Yeah. I tell you, I would say my favorite was – was 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 probably um, from a failure perspective was when when we were running the bar and we were struggling with our Friday night 
you know, Friday and Saturday evenings would always have to be our large revenue evenings, of course. And we were struggling because we, we were doing live entertainment. And with live entertainment um, comes a cost associated with it. You have to have store people. You have to have waitresses. You have to have bouncers. You have to pay for the entertainment. Um, so it brought a whole other avenue of challenges, but we didn't want to give up the revenue. Well, we kept doing mm -hmm. this, and we, we did it for almost two years, and, and, and it was digging us a hole, uh, a deep hole. And then back to weather during the winter months. You're, you're taking a – you didn't know what the, how the weather would play itself out. And I remember in upstate New York, and that's where we, we were located, we were in Lake Effect country. We, we took a couple – almost a month of, of real hard hits on, from a weather perspective where we still paid our staff, we still paid the band, we, we still had to have the inventory, and, and we, we just said enough enough. And we did a brainstorming session, my brother, myself, and I, and my father on what should we do and the alternative we came up with we ended up and if you if you know anything about darts and you you might not uh, darts in a bar is very competitive and i had a buddy of mine tell me that having dart boards in your bar is probably one of the greatest revenue generators you can do and i'm not talking about steel tip darts i'm talking about soft tip darts and because you have to put okay. a quarter in every time you play the game and we came up with an idea. We went to one of our beer distributors and asked them to sponsor it, and we started what we called a Friday night blind draw dart tournament. And we started playing it every Friday night, and what we did was we, we did a season-long series where you played for points every week, and then we gave away at the end of the season significant prizes, big TVs, flat-screen TVs, a trip. So wow. what we're trying to do is generate the revenue, not be reliant on entertainment and adding staff. People, darts is very similar to bowling. The more you drink, better you get, at least in your own mind. Um, I think and also we had the quarter, the quarter event. So we went out and secured sponsorship money from the distributor. We made a single long uh, or season-long event in the winter months. And, and if, the, and if the, the weather was bad, we had no fixed costs. We, we, were, we were set. So we didn't have the burden of those fixed costs. Well, this ended up being a 15-year run of our Friday night dart series that we were, at the end, my brother was getting anywhere between 50 and 75 people on a Friday night. Oh, by the way, they have to pay to enter the dart tournament on top of that. And that helped us pay back the, 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 the top three um, the top three spots, and it was a blind draw tournament, which means you would show up, you didn't have to bring anyone with you, and then you would draw your partner, and all of a sudden people became friends and started knowing who each other were and their kids and their families, and it just snowballed. So we took a failure of wow. high cost. We came up with this idea of a blind draw dart tournament. We had no idea. We wanted to experiment with it. We tried it, and it, it ran for 15 years, and it, it was one of the most amazing things, and, and people would come from all over the state for this, and we're like, it's a blind draw dart tournament. But what happened was the players started getting better and better and better. People became friends, and many people tried to duplicate us. It was interesting. They were stealing our ideas, and they would start having them on Saturday evenings, or they'd try and compete against us. And what we would do is we would make our boards better. We would make sure that we would put out free food. We would do all alternate things to keep our people coming back or keep people coming back. But more importantly, my brother and I were participating in the tournaments and being the owners and being emotionally, not emotionally, but engaged in part of the, part of the tournament, it made people want to be part of it. And it, it, that's, awesome. that, that, that's one, um, because it was, it was dire straits during that month of, of January. I'll never forget it where, Literally, it was four Fridays in a row. We had great entertainment lined up. We had staff lined up. And that day would be a lake effect snowstorm, and, and we would have a foot of snow. No one's coming out. And, you know, the, the fixed costs were the fixed costs. Um, so that, that's back to the resourcefulness of thinking up different ideas and trying to put a plan in place. And some of those you're going to fail. We had no idea. Believe me, for, for that one right. great event, I could probably tell you five other events that we did that didn't work. Um, you know, tell, tell, us a couple, did, tell us something that you felt that was going to be good and didn't do good and, and give us a little bit of background on that. You know, I mean, we, we need to understand that part too. 
Yeah. So we we my my brother my brother was a, a big fan of large bands, big music bands. Um and mm-hmm. and he, he would love to have these concerts and we did it we did it two he did well we did it two years and then he continued on and Foghat was one of the bands we had. We had um <laughs> you know a lot of the 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 eighty rock bands. And you want to talk about a crapshoot. We would do these in August, and we would have five to 700 people show up. And it was a great event. It was a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, the return on investment, the risk associated with it, didn't pro- give us the proper multiple order return. And, okay, so we spend X amount to get this. And it, it just it just never panned out the way that you would hope that it would because it was all about scale and selling pre, pre-tickets and headaches. We weren't set up for that and t- taking phone calls, taking credit cards, you know, to, to purchase those tickets. That, that was not our core. Um, and I wouldn't say it failed, but it wasn't as successful as it could have been for the risk associated with it. That's, that's one. We failed at, rest, at the restaurant side. Running a restaurant, if you can run a restaurant successful, you can – pretty much do any business that you want because just because of the the, mar- the high margins, your perishables, um, you know, there's a human element of, of cooking the food and things of that nature. We failed, we failed miserably at it. We could yeah. never make the, the, the kitchen part of our business work um, to the degree that we wanted it to. I mean, it wasn't to the point where we closed it, but it, it was just – it was a grind to make that work. Um, we tried different sure. food vendors, different suppliers, and of course the distributors—they just want to sell you the food. You know, they, they'll tell you—you know—it's going to work. Different menus, delivery, non-delivery, takeout. Um, we we just could not figure that model out uh, at all. That's a awesome. the most difficult difficult uh, industries to be in is the restaurant business. I've often been told ahead, by people people that were in the industry the best way to the best way to uh, make a small fortune in restaurants. Anybody know? Not so a large, large one. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> so my my question is is um, we're talking about capitalization of uh, franchisees um, first, and what other than be correctly capitalized or well capitalized? What's the next piece of advice you would give to somebody buying a franchise? I, I'd like to expand on the capitalization real quick because we work okay. with so many different brands and concepts. Um, it's interesting to see the different level of capitalization that they require. And the, the franchisors that understand it and want to put the proper people in the system versus selling franchises understand the level of capitalization that, that a potential franchisee knows. So I would say that if you're looking at, uh, if you're a potential franchisee and you're looking at different concepts, don't try and just go to the low end of your capitalization. Ensure you have enough run rate that you can maintain your lifestyle, maintain your fixed costs, as well as have the budget allocated for marketing and things of that nature. Because if you go into the, uh, the business undercapitalized from day one, it, it, it's going to be very difficult to overcome. Um, so, you know, and, and we see... Like I said, you see so many different. <laughs> Sorry, you said the magic word. Look at you! <laughs> wow, you got you got the M the the secret M word in there, so you got to get the applause. Oh, marketing. Ding 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 ding. But you're not wearing a hat, RJ. That's okay. Yeah, I, don't yeah, need to wear a hat. I wasn't told to wear a hat. You didn't have Fred, to. Fred, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for my cocktail, though, Holly. Fred, yeah, we, we, okay. need a, we need They're a recording of a real ding-ding. Not your ding-ding. <laughs> we need a real ding-ding. I'm sorry. Why are you talking about my ding-ding? 
Capitalization to the to, to ding dings. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have a ding ding, so I'm going to ask another question. Um, so, RJ, when oh, we talk about um, <laughs> yeah, shut up, friend. Uh, RJ, when we talk about some of the things that you were mentioning when it came to um, you know really really capitalization of the business, you know you know I talked to to clients all the time and I tell them, you know, when we're, when we're looking in the business, we want to make sure that the multiplier is, is three to four thereabouts. And most people don't understand what a multiplier is, but without going into a lot of, of detail about how businesses, yeah, those multipliers are derived for business, suffice it to say, if it's going to take you three to four years long to get your return on that investment and that initial, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good um, gain. Now, when it comes to capital equipment, what, what is the length of time that you want to return on that? I mean, obviously, they're going to depreciate that equipment. Can you give us just a little bit of background on the financing and, and how all that works for our, our listeners today? Yeah, so primarily, each, each business is going to depreciate their asset differently, especially with the tax laws that were put in place uh, a year ago. Um, you're able to actually write off the entire acquisition of the equipment in, in the same calendar year. So there's many benefits, especially if you're an LLC or an S corporation, um, to pass on those savings to you to you personally. Um, the assets typically that we're financing have a useful life of anywhere between you know five to ten years. So we try and do a finance term. Uh, be, you know, it's up to the up to the client, of course, but typically it's anywhere between you know, four and, and six years on the financing because what we're trying to do is match the cash flow to either the revenue that the piece of equipment's generating and or if it's making the company more efficient. And again, if it's a mandated uh, mandated uh, re-image or rebrand from the franchisor, it, it's more palatable for the franchisees to adopt this change because they can build it over a period of time versus writing the check that they haven't planned for or I love this, the franchisor announces at their annual sale or their annual conference that everyone's supposed to be there and excited about, oh, we're mandating an equipment refresh and it's $120,000 and you have to have it in place within two years. That really takes the buzz out of a good meeting. Um, mm-hmm. Versus saying, you know, we, we've, again, worked with the equipment supplier, of the, the vendor, and we also have a financing solution for you. We did that with a particular with a brand uh, down in Florida uh, that we worked closely with, and they rolled it out across their system. And when you roll it out with a payment or a, a fixed uh, payment associated with the new equipment, your adoption rate goes up. And then we bring best practices to help that franchisor relative to the marketing to their franchisees. We'll educate them. I don't dare say that M word again, but we'll also do that to all the franchisees <laughs> in the system. Um, and, and again, it goes back to when you call that franchisee, they'll ask what you asked earlier, Holly, is why go with Unify? And again, it's all about the journey for the customer that we understand that they're busy and, and we can do it really quick, quick to them. Okay. So, Ray, you got the last question. Yeah, I sure do. Why Where did he get the last question? How? <laughs> he gets the last question the because end. I said he did. <laughs> so there, take that. I'm going to mute your mic otherwise, so take that. Hard to people. Me. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that so they can take advantage of uh, Unify? Best way to uh, get in touch with me is my direct phone number is area code 734-794-4250. Again, 734-794250. Or you can go to our website. It's team, T-E-A-M, unify, U-N-I-F-I.com. Or just Google R.J. Grimshaw, and and I believe I should pop up fairly high on the Google search um, I'm on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, again, RJ Grimshaw. Uh, but, you know, we can, they can get in touch with us, and we'd love to talk to them and, and see if, if uh, SERP can help them out, and I'm always involved with it as well. 
All right. So that means how does how do people get a hold of Terp, especially if they want a picture of him in uh, red suit coat and shoes? Yeah. So you can reach Terp at area code seven three four seven nine four four two five three. Again, seven three four seven nine four forty two fifty three. Um, that's his direct line, right to right to Terp, and uh, he'll he'll send you a selfie of him in the red. Velvet jacket and red shoes. <laughs> or you can get them at 1-800-OLD-SKULL. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, 1-800. He's actually from Cincinnati. I should have him. You guys should get together. He's down. always oh, back down there uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I'd love we, to. Connect us. That sounds we, great. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. So, um, Fred, you can make anything happen. No, not everything. I still haven't figured out how to try travel faster than the speed of light, but give me some time. Uh, sorry. With that, yeah. well, we want we want to thank our co-host Holly. I'm not sure about and Ray definitely for being on the show and and asking our most special uh, guest host R.J. Grimshaw, uh, CEO of Unify Equipment Finance Inc. Um, and uh, Ray, any last comment from you? Oh, I, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Integra Coach and another fantastic homecoming that I'm here at in, uh, Elk, in Elkhart County. Camp. Uh, it, it, it's just a great show. That's all i got to say. Thanks to all, all my friends and all the people at Integra. Thanks thanks a lot. How, Holly, any, any last words? Well, I flipped you off when you weren't looking, so um, beyond that. That does not surprise <laughs> me. No, I just, RJ, so, so really wonderful to meet you. Uh, the, the, your your turnaround time of 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever that is, is, is just unprecedented in this industry. And I think anyone out there who's listening to this that, that is getting into franchising or, or is looking to um, even any sort of capitalization in their business, I think they need to talk to you, RJ, and and I hope they I hope they heard this show, and I'd like to make sure that it gets out there so everyone can hear. Uh, we'll get it to all the franchisors and uh, see if there's, there's anything they need. Okay, well, I appreciate it, that. Go ahead. You get the besides my last word, you get the last word, RJ. It's only fair. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, and I've really enjoyed our our time together and, uh, again, following the show, and we appreciate you having Turp on a while ago. And as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about helping business owners uh, in any way that we can, and it's more than just financing. It's uh, It drives America, and, and that's why Unify is, is who we are, and that's, you know, we're, we're excited about it every single day and, you know, helping businesses across America. Thank you, sir. Um, it's been a pleasure um, having you on and uh, picking fun on Terp, who's a real good guy. And um, you can actually, as a quick note, uh, Terp is going to be is a guest blogger or about to become a guest blogger on the Pillars of Franchising dot com website. So if you check the site by Monday, you should see his uh, guest blog. Um, and for now, I uh, want to wish you a profitable week and enjoy life because if you don't, nobody else will. I'm Fred McMurray, and this is Pillars of Franchising. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for being on the show. Thanks.